Hare Krishna. So we're very fortunate to have Her Grace uh, Jayashri Mataji from West Virginia, USA. And uh, Mataji will enlighten us on, on the words. Uh, let's see. It is uh, 6, 9, 12 from Srimad Bhagavatam. So Mataji, please take it. Uh, take up the class, Mataji. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Okay. Good morning, everyone. I, I've actually been on the wrong link for the last hour. There was one other devotee on, so I thought I was in the right place. And then for like 45 minutes, there was all this karma music, so I had to turn the sound off. So I finally uh, wrote to uh, find out why I was, was the only one there. Anyway, so sorry for the last minute. Okay, I also have not moved yet, so my cartels are packed somewhere. It's taken a long time. So I will just chant Jairata Madhava very simply. Jairata Madhava Punjabi Hari Gopi Janabala Kirivaradadi Yasurandana Pratajana Ranjana Yamuna Tira Anachari Jairadha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Jaya Prabhupada, Jaya Prabhupada Jaya, Prabhupada Srila Prabhupada. Jaya Guru Deva, Jaya Guru Deva, Jaya Guru Deva, Jaya Guru Deva. Nitai Karibo, Karibo. Haribo Nitai Gora Haribo Jayom Vishnu Pad Parmahansa Parvajakachari Aspacharya Divine Grace Isi Bhaktivedanta Swami Jayom Vishnu Pad Parmahansa Parvajakachari Aspacharya Divine Grace Sila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Srila Prabhupada Anantikut Devaishnavarniki Jai Namacharya Srila Haridasta Prem Sri Kaho Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhupada Chananda Sri Adoita Viradhar Sri Vasari Gorbhakta Vrindavan Sri Radha Krishna Gorbhopinath Shamakunda Radha Kundi Giri Govardhan Sri Vrindavan Dham Kijai Navadvip Dham Kijai Jamunamaya Kijai Gangamaya Kijai Bhakti Devi Kijai Srimati Tulsa Devi Kijai Samaveda Bhakta Vrindavan Jai, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to Sri Guru Sri Guru.
Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So this morning we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 6, Chapter 9, Text Number 12. My Sanskrit scholar, are you there? Yes, I will read Mataji. Atanva Harya Pachanat Uttito Gora Darshanaha Krutanta Ivalokanam Yuganta Samayatha. Hare Krishna. Thank you. So, so we will read the oops yeah Atta thereafter Anvad Harya Prachat from the fire known as Anvaharya. Uttitaha arisen, Gora Dashana, appearing very fearful, Pritanat, personified annihilation, Eva like, look numb of all the planets, Yuga of the end of the millennium, Samaya, at the time, Yata, just as. Translation. Thereafter, from the southern side of the sacrificial fire known as Anbahar, came a fearful personality who looked like the destroyer of the entire creation at the end of the millennium. So there's no purport to that. So I am going to go on to the next verse, which is actually 13 through 17. And I'm sorry, I will not read the sands. Just the English. Like arrows released from the four directions, the demon's body grew day after day, tall and blackish. He appeared like a burnt hill and was as lustrous as a bright array of clouds in the evening. The hair on the demon's body and his beard and mustache were the color of melted copper and his eyes were piercing like the midday sun. He appeared unconquerable, as if holding the three worlds on the points of his blazing trident. Dancing and shouting with a loud voice, he made the entire surface of the earth tremble, as from an earthquake. As he yawned again and again, he seemed to be trying to swallow the whole sky with his mouth, which was as deep as a cave. He seemed to be licking up all the stars in the sky with his tongue and eating the entire universe with his long, sharp teeth. Seeing this gigantic demon, everyone in great fear ran here and there in all directions. So even though so many verses, there's still no purports. I guess, what can you say? So... The 
Shema Om Vishnu Vidaya Krishna Prasaya Bhutale Shimati Bhakti Vedanta Swamanitina Namaste Sarsati Devi Gorbani Vitarine Nivisatis and Nivai Vishanti Om again at Timriandasya Gananjana Savakaya Chakshara Nityam as my Sri we're born in the darkness of ignorance, but our spiritual master is kindly opening our eyes with his torchlight of milk. So we offer our most humble and respectful obeisances unto the lotus feet of such spiritual master. So, I was listening to a few different classes by different personalities in ISKCON, and they all call Ritasura the same thing. They call him the godly demon. <laughs> this pastime is quite interesting because it starts previously in Ritasura's previous birth. And uh, as most of the pastimes in the Bhagavatam, or maybe all the pastimes in the Bhagavatam, they're very intricate and deep. It's not, it's not at all shallow subject matter that you can just skim over because each section brings more questions. And in time, you often find answers to those questions. So Chitraketu is the one who had the, the son that died and he was um, instructed that the son would give him happiness and distress and the son died, was poisoned by the queens. Anyway, and he went on and was passing over Lord Shiva and Parvati and made some comment and he was cursed by Parvati to become a demon. And so that's why he's called the godly demon, because he was actually a devotee, but he had to become a demon. So he was such, as Krishna's pastimes go, such a great demon that he just struck fear into everyone's heart. It was a, a, a pretty insignificant offense, but Parvati as in keeping with so many of Krishna's pastimes, pronounced a, a curse that made for another pastime, which is what we're reading right now. So when he was cursed, what was his reply? Being a devotee and an advanced person, Chitraketu's this is from Prabhupada's description at the beginning of chapter 17. He says, Chitraketu, however, was not at all afraid of Parvati's curse. And thus he spoke as follows. Everyone in the human society enjoys happiness and distress according to his past deeds. And in this way travels in the material world. Therefore, no one is responsible for his happiness and distress. One is controlled by the influence of material nature by the material in the material world. Yet one thinks himself the doer of everything. 
in the material world, which is made of the external energy of the Supreme Lord. One is sometimes cursed and sometimes favored. Here. I had to move my page and lost my place. And thus he sometimes enjoys in the upper planetary systems and sometimes suffers in the lower planetary system. But all of these situations are the same because they are within the material world. None of these positions have any factual existence, for all of them are temporary. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is the ultimate controller. Because the material world is created, maintained, and annihilated under his control, why he nonetheless remains neutral to these different transformations in the material world <laughs> in time and space. The material external energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is in charge of the material world. The Lord helps the world by creating situations for the living entities within it. When Chitraketu spoke in this way, all of the members in the great assembly in which Lord Shiva and Parvati were present were astonished. Then Lord Shiva began to speak, speaking about the devotees of the Lord. A devotee is neutral in all conditions of life, whether in the heavenly planets or in the hellish planets, whether liberated from the material world or conditioned by it, and whether blessed with happiness or subjected to distress. These are all merely dualities created by the external energy. Being influenced by the external energy, the living entity accepts a gross and subtle material body. And in this illusory position, he apparently suffers miseries, although everyone is part and partial of the Supreme Lord. The so-called demigods consider themselves independent lords, and in this way they are misled from understanding that all living entities are part of the Supreme. This chapter concludes by glorifying the devotee and the Supreme Personality of God. So we'll see the Ritasura still has a devotional mentality, right? He's, there he is. He's come out of the fire. He's this big demon. Everyone's afraid of him. They're all running hither and thither, including all the demigods. And, but he has a mentality of a devotee. He knows. He, he, he knows basically who he is. He knows he's going to be killed. We see throughout all that, that in the next chapters, we'll see how Ritasura <clears throat> has a noble character. And he knows that he's going to die at the hands of Indra. And because the, the person who was trying to create somebody to kill Indra said the mantra's wrong, he actually got a demon that was going to be killed by Indra. So... Um, but he also knew that he was going to attain the spiritual world. And he knew that Indra was only going to attain the heavenly planets. See, Indra is a demigod and he, he's thinking very highly of himself. And he's doing all this to get material position. 
But Richard Sura, even though he's a demon, is in knowledge that he is going to go back to Godhead. So he has a mentality of surrender, of a devotee. And this is the essence of devotional service. Right? We see in the whole Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks to Arjuna and he gives him so much information about this world and the soul and the spiritual world. But in the very end, what does he say? It's just so simple. It comes down. He gives him encouragement in the 18th chapter. Always think of me. This is 65 in the 18th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Always think of me. Become my devotee. Worship me and offer your homage to me. Thus you will come to me without fail. I promise you this because you are my very dear friend. And the next verse. Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. And then he goes on. This confidential knowledge may never be explained to those who are not austere or devoted or engaged in devotional service, nor to one who is envious of. For one who explains the supreme secret to the devotees, pure devotional service is guaranteed. And at the end, he will come back to there is no servant in this world more dear to me than he, nor will there ever be one more. So Ritasura knows this. And so he's just playing his role. He's playing his part as a demon. And he does it with such grace. You know, Indra drops his club and, and he picks it up for him. He the demigods are running away and he's encouraging them to fight because it's their duty. Indra loses uh, his equipoise at a certain port, a portion of the story and Vrityasura is encouraging him, go ahead, just kill me. <laughs> no, it's quite amazing. He actually does a lot of preaching in this, in this section. So that's why he's referred to as the godly demon. He knows his situation. He knows his duty. He knows he'll be killed. He knows the futility of the material world and is homeward bound, looking for his way back home, back to God. Near the end of his life, he prays. So he, he's fighting. Um, this whole battle's taking place. And near the end of his life, what does he do? Always think of Krishna. He's thinking of Krishna. So he's praying. Oh, my Lord, O oh Supreme Personality of Godhead, will I again be able to be a servant of your eternal servants who find shelter only in your lotus feet? Oh, Lord of my life, may I again become their servant so that my mind may always think of your transcendental attributes. My words always glorify those attributes and my body always engage in the loving service of the Lord. And the next prayer, he says, oh, my Lord, 
source of all opportunities. I do not desire to enjoy in Dhruvaloka the heavenly planets or the planet where Lord Brahma resides, nor do I want to be the supreme ruler of all the earthly planets or the lower planetary systems. I do not desire to be master of the powers of mystic yoga, nor do I want liberation if all, if I have to give up your lotus. And these are things that Krishna explains to Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. And then Virtasura goes on and prays. O lotus-eyed Lord, as baby birds that have not yet developed their wings always look for their mother to return and feed them. As small calves tied with ropes always anxious, anxious, await anxiously the time of milking when they will be allowed to drink the milk of their mother. Or as the morose wife whose husband is away from home always longs for him to return and satisfy her in all respects. I always yearn for the opportunity to render direct service to him. Before I go on to his next prayer, let us remember that Lord Chaitanya, by his own example, was always looking for Krishna, right? He was always looking with this mood uh, a, a, a calf looking for its mother for that nourishment, a, a morose wife looking for her husband to return and satisfy her. So Ritasura is saying, I always yearn for the opportunity to, to, to render direct service unto you. So Ritasura is like following Lord Chaitanya's giving this to us, this is what he's given us, that example of always yearning and seeking for Krishna, who's going to satisfy our longing and our, our misery in this world. He wants to, Ritasura is wanting, he's yearning for that opportunity to render direct service to the Lord. That's that's the example of everything of Lord Chaitanya. He's Radharani in separation, yearning to render direct service to Krishna. All these pastimes are the highest is yearning to render direct service to Krishna. So here's Ritasura, a demon, and he's yearning for this direct service to Krishna. And his next prayer, oh, my Lord, my master, I'm wandering throughout this material world as a result of my fruit of activities. Therefore, I'm simply seek friendship in the association of your pious and enlightened devotees. My attachment to my body, wife, children, and home is continuing by the spell of your external energy. But I wish to be attached to them no longer. Let my mind, my consciousness, and everything I have be attached only to you. So who does this remind us? Queen Kunti. Prabhupada took the time to write Queen Kunti's prayers. Right, and what is she saying? My Lord, let my attraction to my glorious family 
be no more. Let me please just be attracted to you. That's uh, that, that's so amazing. You know, she has these glorious sons. They're all saying the same thing. My attachment to my body, my family, my children. Lord Chaitanya gave up his family, gave up his wife, gave up his loving mother to, to run after Krishna. Our life is in following in this mood, is running after Krishna. But there's a verse I remember. It was talking about the devotee, the neophyte devotee, is running after the spiritual master, trying to hold on to his cloth, crying Krishna, Krishna, to, to gain that, that devotion. So Ritasur is following in this line. He's praying to the Lord at the time of his death to be engaged in his devotional service. And this is Krishna's most confidential knowledge. Just surrender to him and become his devotee. This is our path, the path of Lord Chaitanya and his followers, the Goswamis. You know, if I was a, there's so many great classes, so many wonderful devotees speaking nowadays. We have so much opportunity. They know all these beautiful verses of surrender. It's just it's actually mind boggling. So, the Goswamis, they led such a simple life. Lord Chaitanya led such a simple life. We need to be thoughtful. They were materially totally simple and renounced. They dedicated all of their time in fulfilling the desires of the Lord. And we have direction from Krishna's pure devotee directly, Srila Prabhupada, telling us the same thing, right? Simple living, high thinking. When Prabhupada was here in New Vrindavan, he designed a house for the devotees to live in. And we used they, they used to call them the Prabhupada houses, and they they've since they should have actually restored them. Maybe someday we can rebuild the Prabhupada house. They were so small. They were probably about the size of my front room. And my front room is a kitchen and a front room. It's not really big. The whole house Prabhupada designed was this small, tiny place for simple living and high things. And of course, most of us have all these, we have a lot of material desires. We want a big house with this, big, bad, and, you know, and, and we'll use it for Krishna. We'll have people over and that's not a, not a criticism. It's just that our examples are for our benefit and our examples even in the Christian tradition, Jesus did not build himself a big house. He simply traveled and preached. And not that we all can do that, but certainly we can gear our life to become more simple and 
not run after the latest gizmos, right? It's, uh, it's very entangling the society we're in. We're hit on every level. Every time we open a computer to work or do anything, go into town. There's like a million things. You go in a grocery store. Most of it's food you probably wouldn't want to eat anyway. It's just canned and frozen and old and stale and full of chemicals and unhealthy. But it's, it's become the norm of the society. And there's so many restaurants, like millions of restaurants everywhere you go. But who knows what kind of things they're using in the restaurant. It's, it's easy to get swept up in this society. Different cars and different clothes. And a lot of them are just made out of plastic. You know, we're, we're instead of running towards Krishna, running towards simple living and high thinking, our society is geared in such a way to propel us towards a throwaway society. Prabhupada's instructions for New Vrindavan, which we haven't, certainly haven't been able to totally follow. We're, we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg trying, was that we live simple, simple lives, live off the land, live with the cows, it's, it's such a different lifestyle. I've been so sick this last year, and I'm just starting to feel normal again. Um, after, like, really fighting to get my health back. Uh, but so instead of working, like I was working on a computer for six hours a day, five days a week, you know, probably the most unhealthy thing you can do. So now... I'm still working for the company because they need me. It's a, it's a devotee company. It, it makes uh, our cells a vegan jerky called Primal Strips. And uh, with the COVID, everything went backwards. And this business was just sold to a very nice, pious soul that's been coming here for years. Uh, not exactly a devotee, but kind of, you know young man who's into organic farming and such. So I'm the only salesperson that knows how to use the uh, a database. So I'm still working a little bit, but instead of doing that, you know, it's like, okay, can't work a lot anyway. My time for making money is way past, um, you know, in the past when we first started, Nobody had any money. So years, years, years later, like after I'd been a devotee for, I don't know, 30 years and had an absolutely nothing, hardly even a car, um, you know, I thought, well, I better get something together. So at least when I get old, there'll be some social security. But, you know, Krishna would have taken care of me anyway. I, I just, I don't know. I went that way because I was a 
single parent and I had children that could use some help. Anyway, so I, I decided, well, okay, not gonna make money. Whatever I have, I have, that's fine. So I work in the garden. I weed and I chant to the weeds when I take their life away. <laughs> it's Krishna's garden across from the temple. It's beautiful. Um, the flower vases in New Vrindavan, I am generally the person that makes all of them. And the garden that I work in has a lot of the flowers for the vases. And now the marigolds are there. So we have marigolds. We stop buying flowers and we're using the marigolds from the garden for the deity garden. So it's a wonderful outdoor earthy task. So much easier on my mind and my body than sitting at a computer and on a phone. Really not good for us. Anyway, so this was Prabhupada's idea. Let's live close to the earth. Let's learn how to, to do things naturally. I remember hearing the story. Indra Swami has wonderful narrations that he does on YouTube. And one of them was about these six Goswamis. One was about Rupa Goswami and the Govinda deity. And uh, Rupa Goswami had found Govinda. He was worshiping him very, very simply, like in this little mud structure. <laughs> and he was writing. And uh, the warrior, I can't remember his name. He was the, the servant. He was a Hindu, but he was the servant of the Muslim ruler, who was a very pious ruler. And uh, he went to Vrindavan before he was going to go to this battle. And he promised the Govinda deity that he would, if he was victorious, he would build him a temple. And uh, sometime later, he spoke with Rupa Goswami. Okay, I've been victorious. Now I'm going to build Govinda, great temple. And what, what did Rupa Goswami say? He said, no, that's okay, thank you. Govinda is satisfied with the nature, right? He didn't say, oh, yes, we have to build him a big temple. You know, it's true, big temples, it, it's always, anyway, the big temple did get built. The Govindaji temple that was, taken down partway by Aramzev, but is still in Vrindavan. And the other temples were built also. Um, because Rupa Goswami was convinced by this Hindu warrior that if, if he could build a temple, so many more people would come and be benefited by the association of them. So we see in Jayapur, who is like the main deity now, is Govinda. In the, in the temple with, with thousands of people coming, you know, running to see him. It's so wonderful. So Prabhupada wanted a place where things were very simply. He himself, look at his example. He came on a cargo ship. Okay, Krishna made the arrangements for Prabhupada to be 
to have a very simple introduction. And, you know, his, he was introduced to the world very simple. He was poor. He was on a cargo ship, right? He had nothing. But his life was still very simple. Once things got going, he didn't like make himself a palace. Oh, make me a big palace. There was a room, you know, a simple room. Go to Vrindavan, look at the room Prabhupada had. Simple, simple, but right at the temple. And Prabhupada maintained his same diet. He had his, it was a four, four tiered brass cooker. You know, he had the same, if you listen to the memories, the same things to eat, the rice, the dal, the chapatis, the sabjis. Simple. Prabhupada lived a simple, gracious life, and all he did was travel and preach. And he wanted us to live a simple, simple life. It's to our benefit. You have no idea how fast life goes. I'm sure all of you are much younger than me. And it's like just yesterday, I was 20, running all over the place, doing things, you know, chanting, going on Harinam, doing so many things. We hear almost every day one of the older devotees has moved on. On my birthday, there was one of my old friends who's a disciple of Prabhupada's Narada Muni passed away on my birthday. And Subhangi, a book distributor and old devotee, passed away just like a few days ago or yesterday. It's like every day. You know, life goes so fast. Take advantage of it. Don't, don't think that you have a lot of time. And don't waste time. If we don't waste time, I was always amazed how much Prabhupada could fit in a day. My day goes by, it's like eight, eight at night, because I do I do the flower picking like seven, seven in the evening to eight or six till seven, because it's so too hot in the daytime. And I go, well, what did I do all day? I didn't do anything. I have to cook for myself. Okay, but I'm making like kitchri and, you know, just simple, simple, healthy stuff from our own gardens. We have high tunnels here, and there's just an abundance of fresh vegetables, fresh organic vegetables grown in New Vrindavan soil by devotees. How special is that? Just, I feel so fortunate. And, and I just drive one minute up the road, and I get a, a half a gallon of fresh cow's milk. How, how amazing is that? And then I, you know, across the street are devotees talking. There's the deities there. I walk in. I go up into the temple several times a day. Just how fortunate. How fortunate. We're so fortunate. Prabhupada's given direction and so many temples. So if we don't have that opportunity, we make a temple in our house. Many devotees have temples in their house. Sometimes it's one room. Sometimes it's just a small altar. 
And sometimes people have deities. I know in uh, Alachua, several people, they have a whole big room with an altar with deities that are installed. Their kitchen is broken up into one sink for dishes that I use, one sink for Krishna's dishes and <clears throat> cooking for Krishna. They maintain a standard of offerings, probably not as many as the temple, but you know, it is possible to up our standard. And like Yugla Kishore, uh, disciple of Radnath Maharaj would say, I'm preaching to myself here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we have, we have a lot of opportunity. I've been reading, I just read a book that's really beautiful. <clears throat> it's Dina Tarani's book about Jamuna, uh, cookbook Jamuna. And it's all about her deity worship. Give me one minute. Let me grab it. So I'll give you the name. Dina Tarani has done just a beautiful job with the books about Jamuna. I, I, Definitely recommend them. Um, this one's called Jamuna Devi, The Study of Seva Puja. It's just an incredibly beautiful book. And it has, what happened was Srila Prabhupada had instructed Jamuna to learn about deity worship from the temples in Vrindavan, specifically Radha Raman. So Jamuna being such a high level person, such a quality person, and so dedicated and so serious about her service. She kept a calligraphy written notebook. She went to all these different temples in Vrindavan. She spoke with the Pujaris and won their confidence and got you know, pictures and do, did drawings of the clothes of the deities, the procedures that they follow. And it's all in this book. And at the end of the book, it has her, they moved, they had different ashrams. They moved to, you know, like Washington State. I think they had a little place and then they moved to New York and and in each place, it has pictures. In each place, she made often or organized, but made in many cases, altars and rooms for the deity. She had deity. It tells the story of how she got her deities. There were, she was having, I think, they were the deities for the Pandal, one of the first Pandals, I can't remember. Um, and she had three sets made and one set was used for the Pandal and she kept a set with permission for Prabhupada for, for her own deity. Uh, Radha Banabihari, I think, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. But you'll see at all these places that she lived, her main focus was on her deity. Amazing deity worship she did. Amazing. I mean, we may think 
highly of ourselves and our deity worship. Okay, I've got these beautiful deities. They look beautiful. I don't bathe them every day. I, you know, offer certain things. You know, I dust their altar off every once in a while. You know, it's like we may think we're on a high standard because we have deities. But you read this book and you see her standard was incredible for home deities. Um, and I can see in all the pictures, there's money. And I asked Malati, where, how is it that they had so much money to make these beautiful altars and paraphernalia and dresses? And she said that there was a few people that always took care of them. And I think Dina Tarni came from some money also, but anyway, it was a struggle, I'm sure. They didn't have like unlimited money. It's not like they were completely supported because I know I heard Malati talk about Jamuna and Dina Tarni doing the calendar club, which is a, a Christmas uh, kiosk in a mall. Anyway, my point is, if you look at this book and you see the worship that's done by Jamuna, the different dresses, um, amazing. And she sewed a lot of them. Sometimes it took her a whole year. And some they had made in India. But anyway, it, it, it was very inspiring for me. Just very inspiring. So, so we don't have to be at a big temple. At the last place they lived in Gita Nagari, not Gita Nagari, I'm sorry, in Sharanagati. They built their own house, like physically, with help of other people. She had a, a famous Vastu person come in. He told them the directions and the sizes and everything. They built a straw bale house. And my son lives in Saranagati. Um, and it just so happens that my son's wife, Bhavatarini, Maharani Bhavatarini, her sister, Radha, is married to Kar, who is, if you read the books about Jamuna, was a very close, in very close relationship with Jamuna. He helped them so much. He was, you know, young man, young man, well, a, a son of one of the devotees. Anyway, so they ended up buying the house of Jamuna and Dina, although my son tried to buy it. Um, but of course, Carr was their person. And so Dina sold it to Carr. And I went there when I was in Saranagati last time. And um, amazing house, just amazing. The work that Jamuna personally did making... Uh, there's and there's some pictures in this book, different kind of stained glass and writings and just it's it's it, to me it was mind-boggling. The main part of the house is the temple area and place for people to sit because Jamuna and Dina would have programs all the time. They had a Mangalartik that people even through the snow trod to. You know, it was Jamuna's worship, her service, and her bedroom. I was amazed. It was like twice the size of my bathroom. It was so small. 
It was like nothing for me, but everything for Krishna. Prabhupada said Jamuna had attained Baba. So we can see it's possible. This, this idea of living simply. We just put one foot in front of the other and go on. We do our best. We make progress. We don't give up. We don't get discouraged. We're not there. We're not at the stage of Baba, most likely. My altar isn't like Jamuna's, certainly. But I'm hopeful that someday I will make more and more progress. It's just so wonderful. And when you see these devotees and what they've done, you get amazed. I had no intention of talking a lot about Jamuna, but you know, just the cookbook that she did, Prabhupada told her to write about cooking. So Jamuna just dove right into it. She traveled all over India and she got recipes from all kinds of people and made this cookbook that's like an encyclopedia. <laughs> you know, it's it's unlike any other cookbook you'll find. And she thought nothing of it. But what happened? She ended up winning the very top prize for cookbooks in the in the I think the world. You know, if you read the story of the, of her life that Dina Tarney put out in two different books, you'll see they were sitting there at the event with no anticipation that they were going to win. And they won. She won. The top, the very top honors. Amazing what Krishna can do. Krishna can, can, can empower the situation of anyone who surrendered. And here's Ritasura. What's he doing? The last of his life, he's surrendering. Krishna, please, give me the association of your associates. Give me devotional service to your lotus feet. You know, it's all... Zeros, Prabhupada said, until you put Krishna there. And then it becomes very valuable. So whatever our line of life is, whatever our focus is, our children, our husband, book distribution, deity worship, flowers, growing flowers. It's, you know, it's the consciousness of who we're doing it for. And how we're doing it. And so we go on with Ritasura and, and his prayers. And then I was thinking when I was reading these prayers, my God, they sound like the Shikshastika. So I pulled up the Shikshastika. And what's Lord Chaitanya telling us 500 years ago? Ritasura was a long time ago. Shikshastika, Lord Chaitanya was 500 years ago. It's giving the same direction. Glory to the Sri Krishna Sankirtan, which cleanses the heart of all the dust accumulated for years. It, it extinguishes the fire of conditional life. This is our problem. We're conditioned. We're conditioned by our material desires and the place we're in, and our past, our karma. It, we're but the Sankirtan movement is the prime benediction for humanity at large. We need to spread the Sankirtan movement. This way we get the benefit too. This is Lord Chaitanya. What did he do? Walked all over India, chanting, preaching. Okay, so we don't do it perfectly. Okay, so we fall down. Okay, so we do it 
periodically, but we do it. And then we get more and more inspired and we, we make more and more progress. And our future is bright, right? We don't want to give up. We don't want to become discouraged. We just go on. Our life's going to end. So why not end with prayers on our, in our heart and our consciousness? Today or tomorrow, something will take our life away. So we want to be in the right consciousness. It's a matter of consciousness. And we want to help as many people wake up. It's not all in all. This material life you're living, sir, is not all in all. You're a soul. Your body's destined for the fire. Please wake up. Please take this book. Please come to the temple. Please do something. And Prabhupada, even if the person, if you felt the person wasn't right, for that. Hello, how are you? You know, nice words so that the person appreciates a devotee. It's wonderful. It's just wonderful. So, the Sankirtan movement, which we're part of, we have ISKCON. Prabhupada's established ISKCON. Okay, there's lots of faults in this world. I was just reading. Oh, I'm sorry. My memory is so short. I was just reading last night a conversation. Oh, no. It was actually, it was this morning. It was about Subhangi. I was reading about her life on uh, one of my messages. And uh, she and her husband were initiated like in 74 or something. One time they went to Prabhupada and they said, oh, Prabhupada, there's so much discord and so much arguing amongst your, you know, in, in ISKCON. And Prabhupada said, that's all right. You know, it's to be expected. Your conditioned souls, what do you expect? You shouldn't take offense to what, if they're being offensive, and you shouldn't be offensive. You know, try and make it, try and make the change in yourself. To be, follow what Lord Chaitanya said. Why do you think he said it to us? Be more tolerant than a tree. You know, you see the trees, they just stand there through everything. You know, we have to be more tolerant than a tree. He's giving us direction. He's pointing the way. This is what you need to be happy or to make it through, to make progress in devotional service. Be more tolerant and devoid of all sense of false prestige. How can we have any great idea of who we are? We're so conditioned and so fallen. And we've come into this age, this terrible age. We have so many complaints and ailments. You know what? How can we possibly think highly of ourselves? I mean, we don't want to beat ourselves up, but at the same time, humility is, is requested here by Lord Chaitanya. His prayers are just, just in the same line. The Sankirtan movement is our, our means to attain pure devotional service. Whether we do it like head on, jump into ISKCON and 
do all kinds of things at the temple, or whether we live off to the side and, you know, live a simple devoted life and always respect the devotees, no matter what position they're in. This, it's the key. I know one time many years ago, my husband asked Srila Prabhupada, do we have to live in the temple to make progress? And Prabhupada said, no, but you must maintain the standard. So, you know, we have all kinds of opportunities. The Sankirtan movement is, is our means to success. Simple and sublime, there's so much opportunity. We have the path laid out by Srila Prabhupada, the previous Acharyas, Lord Chaitanya, Vritasura. We have the path Krishna to Arjuna. The path is there. It's simple. We have all kinds of opportunities for devotional service. We have devotional paraphernalia. When we were first started, we didn't have a Madanga. We had maracas. Ching, ching, ching. We had jingle bells. <laughs> we had sticks we hit together. We had nothing. No saris. We didn't have deities. We had a picture of Lord Chaitanya on a makeshift altar. <laughs> it's amazing. But the devotion was there. We had Prabhupada. But the devotion was there. We had the essence of devotional service. But now, I mean, and not that it's any better situation. We had a wonderful situation, just wonderful. But now there's devotional paraphernalia. We still have the holy name. We have so many books. Prabhupada's books, books from the previous acharyas. We have books from devotees. We have temples all over the place. We have deities, beautiful deities everywhere. We have association and we still have such a great mission. Anyway, I think my time is up. Sorry to ramble. I see it's 822. So I think I probably better stop. <laughs> anyway, and also the great devotees don't, Right. I mean, sometimes they do. Sometimes I've read in the in the songbook some of the prayers, Nartam Das Thakur, Bhaktivinodakur, different great devotees, to please reach your hand out and help me, my Lord. Um, but Lord Chaitanya prays, I only want your causeless devotional service birth after birth. So although we want to aspire to go back to Godhead, at the same time, we want to understand that it's devotional service where the, whether we're in this material world or not, it's devotion. A life of love and devotion, your devotional service is what we're aspiring. Okay, so I'll end here. Thank you so much for tolerating my simple class. Um, if there's any questions or comments, please. <laughs>
Hare Krishna Mataji, Dhananta Pranam, all glory to your Prabhupada. You nicely, uh, thank you for this such a nice class. You explained uh, through your life uh, 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 how to uh, uh, how you carried out Krishna consciousness through simple living and high thinking. Especially, I liked uh, when you were speaking about uh, how I mean how you can how you go to the temple every every I mean uh, so many times a day. You can uh, meet uh, devotees across the street, uh, go to the uh, farm to get fresh vegetables and milk. Uh, such a, such wonderful, you're so, so fortunate to have uh, such a living in such a uh, uh, simple yet Krishna conscious uh, uh, lifestyle. It was uh, so inspiring for me. Uh, thank you, Mataji, for your kind of purifying us through your association. You're welcome. And let me say that New Vrindavan is, does sell land. So if anyone's looking for retirement place, um, we have several spots that we are actually going to develop for people who have money that would like to retire here, that would like to buy property and build. Our, our, our property is so inexpensive. And building here is also so inexpensive compared to so many places in the world. Um, I was just in LA with my son and the houses, they're simple, old houses, sell for millions. You know, here you could buy the land and build something for probably two, $300,000. I mean, to me, that's a lot of money because I've never had a lot of money, which is fine. Um, but for people that are working outside and, you know, have big houses and IT people and doctors and, you know, if you have money and you're going to find a place to retire, please consider New Vrindavan. Well, we will be, we, we sell land and are building more places and having opportunities. And then you, you too can get your fresh vegetables and fresh cow's milk and, you know, that kind of thing. New Vrindavan's a wonderful place. Thank you, Mathur. Okay. Thank you, Krishna. Hare Krishna. Okay, I hope I didn't put everyone to sleep. <laughs> Hare Krishna Mataji, Madhavad Pranam to you, Shri Prabhupada ki jai, Guru Maharaj ki jai. Thank you so much for the wonderful class. And, you know, we almost feel we are, you know, like uh, you tell us uh, so much on about your personal, uh, you know, experience, life, that, uh, you know, it's so nice to hear. Uh, and especially, you know, like um, our background is a little bit different because we come from India and then we are here and then Krishna consciousness came to us. But still, we have that uh, little bit of, uh, you know, um, right from birth, we have heard, gone to temples, this and that. But, you know, when I see that, you know, you'd, you've taken this up, it's it's like amazing. All these uh, proper disciples who are who become disciples here in America, it's really, it still amazes my heart, you know, how you've taken this up. Because it's not easy uh, to, you know, like um, uh, take up the moment in the sense that, coming from a different culture that always intrigues my mind. So, you know, and then all glory to Sri Prabhupada, basically. But Mataji, I was thinking that you were mentioning in your class about uh, 
you know like some uh, most uh, people who have dts at home they have like two uh, separate sinks you know you were mentioning and one for the this thing one for that so um, what if we just have one kitchen and one sink only sometime you know we are in an apartment situation even at home so then uh, you know we are also using that sink in the and for the dts also we are offering bhoga in that situation we just clean the place and then reuse it um how does it go about well it depends on your standard of deity worship i mean my deity worship in my apartment is very simple i also have one sink and you know i just keep my deity paraphernalia separate and if i'm going to bathe the deities of course everything is clean and i use stuff just for them but i was you know i i know there are i've been to the houses of a few people in alachua who have a regular standard of their deities are installed. They have a, a big temple room and a, a big altar, and they they have they do regular offerings to their deities. I don't do that. Whatever I cook, I offer. You know, it's simple. But if, if you can, I'm just saying, if you can't go to the temple, then you just do the best you can. There are several books in our movement, uh, Arjuna Padhati. I don't know if they print them still. There were two books called Arjuna Padhati. They were orange. And it gave a standard for deity worship at home. Or you can always contact the deity ministers and, and ask them, you know, what, what standard you should follow. Yeah, I don't know DTs, but uh, you know, I on the on the picture basis I have uh, done, uh, you know, but of course uh, I see in our local temple, you know, the standards are like uh, they maintain a standard properly. In fact, they have a like a whole uh, in the pujari room has separate only. It's completely separate from the kitchen also. Right. So. Yeah, 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 it's it's a uh, standards are different at home and then and but there is like what I mean to say is like every uh, every devotee family who's following who has DTs at home, they are following like different standards a little bit as per their convenience at home. Well, I mean, I would say it's a as Prabhupada would say according to time and circumstance. You know, I know Malati. She's got some Sheila's. She's got a Govardhan Sheila's. She's got a Nishringadev Sheila. And her altar is like one and a half feet by one and a half feet. It's mounted on the wall. It's a very small altar. But she's got a table under it. She's got little, you know, cups and everything for the deities. And she just uses the same sink and cooks and makes up the deity plates, makes the offering. And she always says to me, my deities are very merciful. <laughs> you know, she'll offer, she'll offer different things. And say, well, my deities are very liberal. They're very merciful. You know, but it's, uh, but her main focus is not, deity worship, whereas Jamuna's main focus was deity worship. I mean, Malati's all over the world traveling and preaching. And, you know, she's at GBC and she goes, she's constantly on the road. 
constantly. You know, I don't think she's ever here more than a week before she's off to Cincinnati, off to Chicago, flying to London. You know, she's just getting back today from L.A. It's, you know, it's a different lifestyle and service. Whatever Prabhupada has inspired her or told her to do, whatever he has inspired or told Jamuna to do, you know, they have done the best of their ability in their own way. But there are books and there are deity ministry ministers that can give you direction if you have specific questions. Also, my oh, Hare Krishna. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear. Yeah. Okay. I, I, like I was mentioning in the beginning, like I always felt that prasadam is uh, must be because you know right from the beginning, and when uh, we are used to having the Indian food, right? So as uh, practicing from Indian body, like we eat chapati, ro roti, sabji, or sometimes only roti sabji suffices, you know. And uh, of course, we offer and eat, and sometimes even a simple dal and uh, rice with no sabji. Or, you know, like khichdi is another option which has vegetables also dal, like a combination. Mm -hmm. So this has been a basic food right from the growth. We've been having that, you know. And then when I came into Krishna consciousness, I thought and I saw that mostly temples have has pras Indian prasadam, you know, mostly. Uh, we won't have like, especially to the deities, you know, uh, uh, dal, sabji, uh, you know, one sweet item, milk item, it's offered like that. So mm -hmm. isn't it hard for the Western bodies? Uh, like this was my, I was trying to, uh, I had this question to ask. I'm sorry, it's not related to the class, but I was like appreciating that how, you know, uh, the Western body devotees, how they take it, uh, took up this. So what I felt is mostly everything one can do, even for me, like I didn't know about DT Seva and other things, you know, but Prasadam is one thing that intrigues my mind is like, uh, because we are so used to, and sometimes several, uh, you know, uh, friends of my daughter, my elder daughter, they come. So, you know, they, uh, and their Matajis mostly. Uh, yeah. Like, so when they come, they are like uh, one day, two day, they can have Indian Prasadam, but then becomes too much for them, you know? And then uh, sometimes they're not able to also, eat like the way uh, they'll eat like dal separate, this separate and uh, you know how we break the roti and we eat the sabji but they will just eat the roti separately everything is eaten separate like the way and it's not like um, I'm finding any fault in anything but but it's so amazing that uh, you know they're staying in temples these young Matajis, mostly I know about Mataji because I have two daughters and I'm connected to Krishna consciousness like that with this young generation which is uh, you know, the children. So uh, it becomes hard for them to eat after two days. They're like, no, Mataji, it's okay. We are not, you know, and then they will prefer to make some oatmeal or something like that. So uh, does that difficulty come in the life of uh, devotees in the West, uh, Western devotees uh, with respect to prasadam? That's my question. Well, I mean, the fact is, is when Prabhupada started, everyone was, you know, most people were meat eaters and Prabhupada gave a new diet. But still, you see, through the years, the standard has become, of course, for the deities, there's a certain standard that you don't deviate from. But um, 
you know, like our restaurant serves the doll rice subji, but then it's got pasta, it's got salads. You know, we have a veggie burger, we have a Philly cheesesteak veggie, we have pizza. You know, I mean, the bottom line is that it needs to be vegetarian and offered. So nowadays you can basically have almost anything that's in that standard offer it. I mean, it may not be what you would offer to the deities, but even here I see sometimes they someone will make pizza, a special pizza, not with yeast, and offer it to the deities. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I mean, I've never had a problem, but uh, of course, when we started, we were all Westerners. So but Govinda Dasi had cooked for Prabhupada. For I think they were with Prabhupada for two years, but she's she cooked for Prabhupada for a long time. So she knew how to cook, you know, the basmati rice and dal and different subjis she he had taught her but you see you know people eat bread you know it's got yeast in it they may make it themselves i mean personally if i was cooking for a group of westerners that are devotees I probably wouldn't only make dal rice chapatis and sabji. I would make a quinoa salad. I would make a salad. You know, I would make all kinds of things. Although personally, I eat a lot of kitchri because I know it's good for me. Right now, I'm going to make kitchri today. I'm soaking the split mung and I'm going to wash the basmati rice and I'm going to cut up vegetables. And, uh, yeah, I don't think it has to be an Indian cuisine to be called prashadam. As a matter of fact, when I, I mean, I'm a pie maker. And when I found out Jayadoita Swami's favorite pie was a lemon pie. It used to be lemon meringue, but meringue is egg white. So I found that out one year and I made him a lemon pie with whipping cream on top. And he ate the whole thing. So every time I see him, I make a lemon pie. When, uh, what is his, um, Dr. Chiru Maharaj used to come. I would make, and they would request me, please, can you make him a lemon pie? I'm a donut maker. You know, so I started making donuts. And one time, Devamrita Swami was in L.A., who I worked with in Malaysia for some years. And I made him donuts and I made him a lemon pie. And uh, he was contacting me several times because the deities that I had given him years ago had broken. And I he wanted me to get them repaired. And I just yeah, so he would always say in every t t message, oh, where's the lemon pie? Where's the donuts? You know, and he had me send the recipe to 
to one of his disciples so that they could make them periodically, not all the time. But uh, I mean, I would consider that's prashadam. Doesn't have to be Indian. Bhaktachiru Maharaj used to make, from what I hear, used to make pizza for the devotees and with potato chips on the top. You know, I mean, the idea is to get prashadam to offer your food to Krishna. And if you're cooking for Krishna, then you offer Krishna what he likes. If you're cooking for people, restaurant, uh, gathering, picnic, we just had a, a pool party. <laughs> we have a pool party once a year. We all went to the swimming pool. We rented the pool and it was a potluck and everyone brought different things. Definitely was not dal rice chapatis and sabji. And everyone wears very modest, you know, like I wear a Punjabi and everyone dresses pretty modestly, but we always have a pool party. So, I mean, if you, if you were strict and limited it to dal rice chapatis and sabji, it would be a whole different picture than what we have nowadays. Yes, Mataji, thank you for mentioning this because I remember when uh, uh, I thought one point that, you know, like I was not vegetarian right from the beginning because uh, I did become uh, from 1997, you know, onwards. Um, as my daughter was born and some pundit told me in India to become vegetarian, you know, but I've never uh, taken beef or anything, basically, uh, you know, chicken and fish like that. So, but what happened is when I uh, came across, uh, you know, like um, the Hare Krishna, it's like, you know, I was wondering how they can make cake, but there were so many alternatives. It was amazing that, you know, we could add condensed milk, uh, so many other things. And even with the icing, uh, you know, uh, there were certain things which we even had in India, which were Western, like cake and uh, pastry or whatever, donuts, you know, pasta and stuff like that. So, uh, but then, uh, you know, devotion intelligent and always my service started in the kitchen so somehow I learned so much from western and Indian devotees that how they intrigued everything and you know somehow or the other they made it in such a way and even like uh, I know in Krishna house uh, Gainesville uh, they make uh, pizza and bread without the yeast they do that and they offer because there the whole community is there and you know like uh, so or sometimes they will just, you know, if they have the yeast, they'll offer to Prabhupada like that. Right. So, yes. And 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 myself, Mataji, I'm like a very fond eater of West, Western food. <laughs> I really, because with me, even my place uh, in the morning, if I've had like the Indian uh, food, you know, then the evening I'm always looking for something different, like, uh, you know, Mexican or some taco wrap or something like that. I'm always looking for something uh, Western sandwich. Because I really get uh, very bored with Indian food myself. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Mataji. And Mataji, uh, I wanted to ask you how many verses you covered. Because I got a call in the middle and I was like lost. Because I heard some uh, something you mentioned about uh, you were reading the first one. But I could not. I was not there in the middle. I read the first one. And the next verse, 13, happens to be. A combination of verses 13 through 17. So, oh, okay. so they're combined. Okay. So I just did those two 
12 okay. and 13, okay. but 13 included 17. So you would start on 18. 18. Okay, Mataji. Thank you so much, Mataji, for your association. And uh, like um, uh, I think Partha Prabhu said that we are really blessed to have you, you know, in our life on this call. And being Prabhupada disciples, you know, we feel that uh, like the blessings are coming from Srila Prabhupada through you. So, you know, thank you so much for coming on the call. And I wish we could have you more twice a month. But as you know, your everything schedule, health permits. At least we should be thankful for whatever we have. Hare Krishna, Mataji. Okay, thank you very much. Hare Krishna, Mataji. That was Hare Krishna. Thank you so much for this nectarian class. And at the end of the class, you said it's my time off, but we could hear you from you in the pastimes of Prabhupada, your personal stories and um, the new Vrindavan stories. As many as time, so we don't have time limit, Mataji. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's the only talking I do right now. <clears throat> yes, thank you so much, Mataji. Yes, we are blessed to have you on call and hearing nectar in the I'm morning. Blessed. I'm blessed to have you all so I can think of Krishna. <laughs> yes, Mataji. Yeah, yeah. This Saturday we are coming to New Vrindavan, so maybe okay. we'll see you, Mataji. Yeah. Okay, very good. Have a safe trip. We'll see you when you come. Yes, Mataji. Hare Krishna. Thank okay. you. Okay, Hare Krishna. So anybody has any comment, question for Mataji? Otherwise we can end the call with a small prayer. I don't hear anything. 